praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you know what? Take a minute, turn around and welcome someone. You know, we've, we've got some folks that are here visiting with us tonight. And uh, be friendly and introduce yourself. If you don't know someone, make sure that you introduce yourself to them. We have people that are brand new to our church uh, that are here tonight. And we, we want to make them uh, feel welcome. Welcome. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yes, thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, we want to welcome everyone to our Wednesday night Bible study. We, we're, we're glad you came today. We're We're going to uh, begin. We're going to we're going to begin to have koinonia groups. Uh, so this month isn't it next next week? Is it next week? <laughs> we, we will have a koinonia gathering next week. So listen, if you've never if you've never been a part of koinonia or you don't know what koinonia is, um, make sure that you get with someone before you leave today so that we can plug you into a koinonia group. We have several groups that are meeting across the greater Oklahoma City area. We have a group that's meeting south. We have a group that is meeting, um, oh, I guess it's more central, isn't it? Uh, do, we rem I, do I remember? I don't even yeah, Joe and Jess, they're, they're, y'all are, Joe, where y'all, y'all are, no, you're, yeah, they're closer here to the church, uh, so, and then we have um, the young adults that are meeting over at Michael and Twyla's, so we have uh, youth, are the youth meeting here next week, okay, youth will meet here, um, there'll be one group that'll meet with, at Joe and Jess's, and then if you're from the south side, you'll meet at Cherie's house. what happens when you skip a week. You get voluntold to do stuff. <laughs> no, we'll figure it out. Anyway, but uh, make sure that uh, you come this Sunday, get plugged into a Koinonia group. We'll make sure that you get where you need to go. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been talking about the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. So uh, open your Bibles with me. Let's, let's uh, talk about something real quick um, that we We've, we've, we've gone over some of this stuff, and I know that some of you are wondering why we've gone over some of it more. Uh, more. It seems like we've, we've, um, we keep going over certain things, and it's because I, we're, we still are, we, we're still getting that um, vibe that not everyone is picking up what we're, what we're putting down. So we want, we want to make sure that you have a, at least a better understanding. You may not have a crystal clear understanding about what uh, these gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit are, but that's the purpose of this gathering is so that we can hash these things out and so that you can become acquainted with uh, the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit and how they ought to work in the life 
of the believer. So some people say this, does everyone have gifts? Well, here's the thing. Everyone does have gifts. And so Romans chapter 12, we, uh, in fact, Hilda is the one that brought that up. By the way, Hilda wanted me to let you all know that her notes from last week are up on CCB. If you don't know what CCB is, uh, ask Cherie and she will help you. <laughs> Cherie will help you. <laughs> Cherie or Hilda or someone will, will help you uh, connect on CCB. CCB is a it's church community builder, and uh, as a church, we uh, that's where we uh, send out messages uh, for uh, if if we're having bad weather, uh, where you can be contacted and know if we've canceled service because of uh, bad weather, or where we uh, get information out about upcoming events. Uh, it's connected with our app and also. Uh, with uh, our giving. Um, so you can check on your giving throughout the year uh, through that um, CCB. Uh, you, can re you can get on CCB through our website and I believe through the app as well. Is that right? So um, if you don't have the Winner's Church app, download it. Very simple to find. It is a cool resource. All the messages are uploaded. So tonight, uh, probably about a half hour after we're done here, if you have the uh, the app, you'll get a notification that the message posted, title of the message, and whatnot. So, uh, of course, that's, thank you, Debbie. That's for when um, you're not here, uh, you'll be notified of what it is, and you can take a listen to it wherever you are. So, anyhow, um, so we've been talking about the gifts and ministries of the Lord. One of the things that Hilda brought up last week was Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, the gifts of the Father. And so some people say, does everyone have gifts? Yes, everyone has gifts. Uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about, and these, these aren't, um, these wouldn't fall into the category of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Many people call these the gifts of the Father. Other people call these inspirational gifts or motivational gifts. And everyone has these gifts uh, or, or one of these gifts working in their life. So Romans chapter 12 um, do you still have Hilda's notes? <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm, Joe, Joe's like, man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And so he, uh, this is Paul talking about uh, different gifts that people have been given. And these particular gifts here are given to us uh, at birth or when God created us. He created us with at least one of these gifts working in our life. Having then gifts different according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy. So prophecy is one of those gifts. According, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Um, or he that teaches on teaching. So teaching is one of those. Uh, he that exhorteth on exhortation. Uh, exhortation is one of those gifts. Um, he, giving is one of those gift, gifts. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Uh, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And so, um, let love be without uh, dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly uh, affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. So, uh, these are uh, gifts of the Father. So, Honestly, these don't, you don't really need for the Spirit of God to be working in your life for these gifts to work in you. you you're going to have these. There are different people. They never, 
uh, they never give their heart to the Lord and they have these gifts working in their lives because God puts them in us. So, uh, but when the Holy Spirit does come into the life of an individual, he does uh, accentuate those gifts and cause those gifts to function uh, in the way that God um, intended for them to function. Now, go to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. And again, we're, we're, um, we've, been, we've been going over some of these things. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We've been going over some of this stuff um, repeatedly so that you'll get it in your mind and in your spirit. Chapter 4, starting with verse 7, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So say this with me. Say, unto every one of us. So who does, who's that talking about? All of us. Amen. Under, it says unto every one of us. So uh, say, look at someone say, you be us. Be us. Um, look at someone else say, I be us. I be us. Throw your hands up in the air say, we be us. <laughs> but unto every one of us has been given grace. So what is grace? It's undeserved, unmerited favor. In other words, God's favor has been extended toward every one of us. And, and in this particular instance, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So what I, what I like to tell people here is when the Bible says to every one of us is given grace, you could take that word grace and you could replace it with anointing. Unto every one of us has been given an anointing or um, authority, authority. Um, that grace that God gave us and, it, and, it's, and it's according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So in other words, there is a grace or an authority or an anointing or an endowment or some sort of, of, of a gift of God uh, that works in us according to the measure of which God intended to use us. Amen. Oh, maybe I should, maybe I should have started this at the beginning. Um, Go to verse 1. Paul, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus here. He says this. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the, of the vocation wherewith you were called. In other words, he says, walk, walk worthy of the job that God called you to do. Walk worthy of fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. That vocation is God's grace, God's uh, what God, um, the purpose for which God created us, uh, what God intended for us to do. <clears throat> now, walking worthy of that vocation, when we think about walking worthy of the vocation, we think about walking worthy in a way of, and I talked about this Sunday. Some of you need to go and listen to the message from Sunday because it'll help you out big time. But um, when we talk about walking worthy, some people, the way they think about walking worthy is they think about, you know, well, I can't lie, cheat, steal, or, you know, think that I've got to walk worthy of the, of the calling uh, that God's called me to. And that, that's true. I think that, listen, as Christians, we ought to cut way back on the sin. I, I think we ought, to really, we ought to really desire to live holy lives. But when this scripture is talking about walking worthy of the vocation or walking worthy, uh, you know, what is, in the natural, what is a vocation? It's a job. Some of you, Annie, she went to, uh, 
She went to a school for her last couple years of uh, high school, and it was a vocational college. It was a Votech. Um, there, there are a lot of people that go to Votech to learn a vocation, to learn a trade, to learn uh, some, you know, Annie went to secretarial school. There's some people, they go to cosmetology school at Votech. Some people go to culinary school at a Votech. In other words, they're, they're going to, um, to, to uh, get training for a job. So when God says, walk worthy of the vocation, he says, walk worthy of the job that I called you to. Walk worthy of that which I created you for. Now, walking worthy isn't just living a, you know, a, uh, a, a holy life. But walking worthy is, number one, recognizing what that vocation is and then doing what it takes to position yourself to, to fulfill that vocation. You know, some, some people go through life and they never realize the a calling or the purpose that, uh, for which they were created. They never, they never come to the point where they discover the vocation that they were called to, uh, unfortunately. And so uh, a lot, what's happening a lot, I think, now in, um, in, in church and in a lot of uh, people's uh, believers' lives is that there are people that are going in there hearing the Word of God. Uh, they have a desire for the Word of God. They have a hunger for the Word of God. And they're going and they're finding places where they can hear the Word of God preached. But instead of, instead of, uh, instead of, uh, instead of getting training for the calling that God has, the vocation that God has put in their life, they're just going in there listening to whoever it is that sounds the best to them, whoever it is that tickles their ear the most. And a lot of people are wasting a lot of time because some people are, some people are in, uh, and let's just take it, let's just take the Votech, for example. You know, if you're, if you, if you didn't want to become a chef, then you don't want to go to culinary classes, right? Because if you weren't going to be, a, say you're going to be a pilot, why would you take a chef's class if you're going to be a pilot? That's stupid. The only, the only place where people do stupid stuff like that is in church. It's true. We go and we sit under different ministries. We sit under different teaching. And that teaching does nothing to build us up in the vocation that God called us to. Are y'all hearing me today? And so we sit and we waste time listening to things and filling our minds and filling our hearts with things that aren't even going to build us up to fulfill the, the purpose of God. Amen. And Amen. Which is why I believe that God brings people, some people here to Winner's Church. Because there's a, there, you are going to be developed here to do certain things. <laughs> some people are like, oh, this church talks about us doing the work of God. <laughs> well, you got it. Amen. That's, that's our focus. Our focus is on, you know what, if, 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 uh, if there was a scripture that, that uh, described this church, it would be this Ephesians 4 scripture. I've, in fact, this would be me saying this to you. I, therefore, I'm, I'm not in prison like Paul, but I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling that God has put upon your life. Every one of you have a purpose. Every one of you have a calling. Amen. And with, along with that calling come endowments or abilities from God in order for you to be able to fulfill that calling. Right. 
In other words, God hadn't called you to do something and then left you to your own self to get it done. Are y'all hearing me? In fact, that's why, the, that's why the Bible says, but unto every one of us has been given grace. So God gave you something to fulfill his purpose. Now, let, let, me, let me tell you this. What he gave you isn't natural. It's supernatural. And that's why a lot of people never discover it. Because they're groping around in the natural realm, trying to, trying to equip themselves in the natural uh, for something that you're not going to be naturally equipped for. Amen. You're going to have to get this in the spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, think about it, church. When the, when the, when the church was, when the church was, um, when the church was founded in Acts chapter two, the church wasn't founded on natural things. In fact, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus, my God, you know, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to take a drink of water here. I'm going to tell you all this. When you think about it, we're nuts. Christians, honestly, (laughs) and maybe there'll come a day when, you know, um, maybe there'll come a day when in this country we'll be persecuted to the point where... um, where they will, well, they'll, where they'll throw us into the loony bin for the things that we believe. Because I mean, the, have you thought about the things that we believe? We believe in a Messiah, in a Savior that was born of a virgin, a woman who was never touched by a man, was impregnated by the Holy Ghost. This, this is where it starts. I mean, this is this is where our Christianity starts. On the, it's absurd. It doesn't make it. It's it's not it's not logical at all. I don't I don't know how the I don't know how the church has how the church has you know Paul I think Paul told the Galatians he says oh foolish Galatians how do you think you're going to start off in the spirit and end in the flesh? You know when we when we started in this thing we didn't start we didn't start this thing in the natural. We believed in a man that was born of a virgin. That we believe that there was a little girl who was impregnated by the Holy Ghost. She carried this baby around for nine months. When he was born, when he was born, <laughs> when he was born, <laughs> all of a sudden, supernaturally, people start to pursue him. Stars shine in the heavens and draw, not crit. Listen, you know, the wise men, the wise men weren't, I don't know if y'all know this, but the wise men weren't Christians. The wise men weren't even godly people. The wise men were uh, astrologists. They were astrologists and the astronomers, not astronomists. It wasn't science. It was astrologists. It was, it was, they were over there in, uh, oh, what is it? What does the Bible call it? Um, uh, anyway, so they're, they're over there. They're over there, uh, uh, looking for signs in the heavens because they're spiritual people. And you know what? God gave them a sign. That star shining in the, it wasn't, listen, it, it never, it never was science. It's, it, it, it's always been supernatural. Say supernatural. supernatural. If you're uncomfortable with the supernatural, you're never going to fulfill your purpose. Oh, never. Yeah. 
Listen, if you're, if you're uncomfortable with the supernatural, you're never going to fulfill your purpose. If you have trouble saying supernatural, if you have trouble embracing supernatural, if you have trouble declaring supernatural, if you have trouble saying that to others, you're going to have trouble fulfilling God's purpose because you will never fulfill God's purpose in the natural. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's a spiritual thing. Even now, I'm giving you all this information, and I'm not trying to talk to your head. I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to activate something in your spirit. I'm trying to stir you in your spirit so that your spirit will get stirred up enough to, to start training your head to do what God called you to do. Amen. Your, your spirit don't need your head to train it. Your head needs your spirit to rise up and to train your mind to think in a way that will facilitate what God created you to do. Well, I'm preaching. Amen. This is, why the, this is why the church in the United States of America is failing. Because we, we've, got, we've got too many people, we've got too many people that they're afraid of the supernatural. They're, they're afraid of the supernatural, but they're following after a man that was born of a virgin. That a bunch of people saw a star, astrologists saw a star in the sky, followed that star for years, mind you. See, we got this picture that these, that these, astro these wise men rolled up on Jesus while he was an infant, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The reality is, is Jesus was already a toddler when they found him. He's probably already three or four years old. He's, he's already walking around. He's like Amelia or Gabriella when they finally found him. And so they went on this long journey. And then Jesus goes through his whole life. I mean, he's just, he seems to be a normal kid until he's baptized by John in the River Jordan. Y'all remember how that went down? <laughs> Jesus is baptized by John in the River Jordan. Everything is going well until he comes up out of the water. And out of nowhere, comes the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, now I know the picture is of a little dove. And that very well may have been, that very well may have been what it was. Listen, I, I don't know, uh, I, I may be getting out here telling this, but um, I read a book by a fellow that told about the life of, of a preacher that was a part of the healing revival back in the 50s and 60s. His, the, the preacher, the preacher uh, that I'm talking about that uh, was, he, in fact, he was, he was probably the most pivotal evangelist in that time that brought about that whole healing revival. And if you don't know anything about that healing revival, uh, you should look it up and, and learn something about it. Um, you're going to find a bunch of people say a bunch of bad stuff because, because people were, because we're performance oriented. We still think that if you're, if you do something stupid, if you, uh, if you jack things up that somehow or another, God ought to discard you. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know what? God used a lot of people that were jacked up. In fact, uh, you know, <clears throat> Amy Semple McPherson, Jack Coe, William Branham, A.A. Allen, you know, all of them had issues in their life. Um, <clears throat> Jimmy Swaggart, <laughs> Jim Baker, you know, Jim Baker, 
You know, there's been a whole resurgence of that story. And of course, there, the world is like, oh, he was just a charlatan and this and that and the other. No, the Lord, the Lord used Jim and Tammy Faye Baker to build a, a Christian amusement park that was second only to Disney. The top amusement park in the United States, while Jim and Tammy Faye had Heritage USA and was it North Carolina or South Carolina? Was it North Carolina or South Carolina? Wherever it was, somewhere in the Carolinas. During the time Heritage USA was in, was booming. Disney was the number one uh, attraction in the U.S. Heritage USA was the second largest attraction in the U.S. They were second only to Disney. And they did it following after a man who was born of a virgin, who was baptized, you know, who, who, who a bunch of astrologers <laughs> followed a star and found him, who was baptized. And when he was baptized, the spirit descended, and the Bible says, like a dove. But again, I'm, 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 I'm wondering about that. Let me tell you. So, <laughs> super, say supernatural. supernatural. You, you don't, have you all ever seen the videos of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Anybody ever seen, have you, has anyone, Joe, can you pull up a picture of Tammy Faye Baker, please? Tammy Faye Baker. I'm going to tell you right now, what nothing but supernatural for God to use those people. (laughs) Paul and Jan Crouch. I mean, God takes the strangest people. Makes me wonder how I look. (laughs) <laughs> Try to find me. <laughs> <laughs> she cried all the time. She did cry all the time. Can you find one anywhere, Joe? <laughs> did you find one? <laughs> let's see. Let's see Tammy Faye. <laughs> Because God's got to use the most ordinary, because he couldn't use anyone that was just weird, right? Because that wouldn't, how would that work if God used someone that was strange? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that kind of mess things up? I mean, God has to use someone who at least looks normal and who acts normal and who doesn't rock the boat too much. Someone who's not too controversial, right? Because that's what makes sense. Well, there you go. And you know, that's the tamed down version of Tammy Faye. That's, that's when she already tattooed her makeup on. Can you find an older picture of Tammy Faye? You know what? Find a video of her singing, Don't Give Up, You're on the Brink of a Miracle. And, and we'll play it in a second. Anyhow, yeah, yeah, find that. Find a video. We'll, we'll play it in a minute. So, uh, you know, there's, there's something that we, that we as God's people have to start. You think we would learn by now that God doesn't take the mundane and the common and the generic and the vanilla. You know what I'm saying? God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And you know why he does? Because he wants us to understand that we have to have a reliance upon the supernatural. There has to be a reliance on our part on the supernatural. 
So let me tell you that story about William Branham. You guys can keep it. Did you find it? Don't give up on you. Yeah, play it real quick. <laughs> oh, no sound. Come on. Can you make it? Make it sound. Oh, we have a little house in California. And there was a cactus outside our house. <laughs> And more than anything in the world, I wanted to see that cactus bloom before we left. But there was no way it could bloom because the little blooms were so close and they were so tight. And it would be probably a week or two weeks before those little blossoms could bloom out. So I went out there and I prayed and I said, Lord, I sure would like to see what color this little bloom on this cactus is going to be. Could you please bring just one out? So the next morning, I didn't really expect God to do anything. I just wanted it to happen so bad. But the next morning, I went out, and here was the brightest, pinkest blossom you ever did see in your life. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Tammy, I'm doing this little miracle for you just to let you know that I'm working on the big ones. <laughs> Once in a while, when we get to where we can't hardly stand anymore, he'll do us a little miracle just to let you know that he's working on the big one. Don't you dare, Jeff. Don't give up. We're on the brink of a miracle. Don't give Don't in. Don't you dare give in. <laughs> Your God is still on the throne. People don't give up. Have you look at the trials of life that surround you? And he tries to appear, and he brings doubt and fear all around you. Now don't look with your eyes or listen with your ears. Cry out to God, He is always here in your darkest hour. Your Don't give up. I love that. Now, I know some of you think, are you making fun of Tammy Faye? No, heck no. She's more anointed than most of the yo-yos that are behind pulpits right now. All these people made fun of her, but she was effective at fulfilling and walking in the vocation that God called her in. All the way to, to her death. You know, at the end of her life, it was only the homosexual people that would listen to her. And she would go and she'd minister to these large groups of homosexual people. And they loved her. She won lots of them to Christ. I watched her on this one program. I can't remember what, the, what it was called. They locked her in a house with a bunch of has-been celebrities. And she's locked up in there with a porn star. The real world, that's right. She's, I mean, she was locked up in there with a fellow by the name of Ron Jeremy, who's in prison right now. I've never, I, you know what? I've never ever in my whole life seen someone love people with the love of Jesus like Tammy Faye Baker. And those people, they tried to get under her skin and she won them over. I mean, Ron Jeremy looked at her and said, I've never met anyone like you. 
She looked right back at him. She said, God loves you. He really, really does. <laughs> but see, these, the, the, these things of God, they're not natural. I mean, if you look, we look at that and we think, oh, how cheesy. But I mean, these, the, God used them to win tens of millions of people to Christ. That's right. To, to birth things in the spirit. You know, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have Christian TV like, like it is today. Not that I watch it, but... <clears throat> but, uh, I mean, we wouldn't have had any television ministries like, uh, like we've seen um, come, to, you know, come to fruition in our generation. But anyhow, so, uh, so talking about Jesus and him being baptized by John in the River Jordan. So he's baptized in the Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit of God descends like a dove. Now, William Branham, he's a preacher from the 50s. He was baptizing people. I was reading this book. He was baptizing people in, uh, in a river. I believe it was the Ohio River. And he, uh, he was having a baptism service. And while he was having this baptism service, the weather was calm. The wind was calm. And someone took a picture uh, of the baptism service at one point because when he went to baptize someone, when he put them in the water, all of a sudden a rushing wind came and a, a big bright light uh, was uh, hovering over the top of where the baptism was taking place and it troubled the water. The water began to get choppy like it was windy outside and they snapped a picture because it was supernatural. Well, that's kind of how I imagine probably the baptism of Jesus went. I don't think probably it was just a little tiny, you know, bird that descended. I think something happened that was more supernatural than that because the Bible says after the spirit descended upon him like a dove or as, you know, uh, uh, using that as an example the bible says that there was a there was a uh uh there was a there was something that there was glory to god hallelujah <laughs> there was something supernatural that occurred jesus stepped out of the natural into the supernatural that's where his ministry started was at that baptism of john uh, in the River Jordan. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost. So these, these things are super. These are the things that we follow, church. Oh, yeah. Have you ever wondered why you go to church nowadays and there is almost a, a, an aversion to the supernatural? We can talk about these things of, that were supernatural about Jesus, but when we go to church, when many places people go to church, there's no expectation that anything supernatural is going to happen, or there's there there's not a uh, an emphasis on you expecting something supernatural to happen in you. But the reality is, is what we need the most is the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. What we need more than anything right now is for God to break out in supernatural power. Amen. I mean, the whole ministry of Jesus, everything he, everything he did was supernatural. He, he brought heaven to earth everywhere he went. You know, that was the ministry of Jesus. He just went, went around bringing heaven to earth. That's what he did. He, he went from one place to another, bringing heaven to earth. Amen. And that's, that's really what he desires for you to do. Now, you may, you may function different ways, but God really wants you to bring heaven to earth. Turn to someone, tell them you can bring heaven to earth. So how do you do that? Well, you got to walk worthy of the vocation. Well, what vocation? The, yeah, exactly. What vocation? 
What is it that God has called you to do? And most of you know it. Most of you know what God's called you to do. It's just hard for you to, to fathom that he would do it. Many of you wrestling with the, with the fact of, of, of your uh, jacked upness, you know, you're so jacked up in your life. You just, it's hard for you to believe that God will do it with you because you feel like your life is a wreck. Look at Tammy Faye. You think her life, I mean, I, honestly, I'm not being ugly, but think about it. Think about. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think the world is going to treat you when you begin to do what God called you to do? Do you think there's just going to be this pathway open up that's going to be easy? You think it's going to be easy pickings? Listen, if you're going to do the will of God, you're going to have to fight to do the will of God. Listen, if you, let me, let me say something. If you have trouble going to a church where piece of people gossip about you and talk bad about you, you don't want to do ministry. You never want to discover your purpose. Because once you discover your purpose, people go do nothing but talk bad about you. People you don't even know. And they're going to act like they know you. <laughs> well, I met him one time. I've had, I've had people come to my meetings once. And you know what? All they did was sit through an offering teaching, 20 minutes. And after I taught on the offering, they got up, left. You know what they said about me after that? All he talks about is money. No, that's all you heard me talk about. You left early, dum-dum. No, okay, don't say that. <laughs> she looked over like, hey. <laughs> That was that was a I think that was a bad word on Gabe's list too. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time that they pulled Gabe out of children's church that he had cussed at children's church? And uh, or they said he cussed. They told me they said, Gabe said a bad word today at children's church. And I said, What did he say? They said, holy blank. I was like, what? I was like, where did he hear that? You know? You know, holy starts with an S. But, and so I was like, Gabriel, how many? And Annie was like, I don't, I'm not sure that he did. I said, I don't even know if he's ever heard that word. And, and they said, no, no, he did. He's, he said it. And I was like, okay. So, you know, we didn't say nothing to him. But he was, oh, he was, he was a little guy. And we were getting ready, I think, the next day. And I was like, can you believe Gabe said that? I don't think he said that. I was like, Gabe, come here. So he comes into the, he comes over to our room. He walks in the bathroom, you know. I said, tell me all the bad words you know. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> so he stands there, he goes, um, shut up. I'm stupid. Um, and then he says, holy shrimp. <laughs> I said, there it is. There it is. <laughs> he said, holy shrimp from SpongeBob. And he added it to his bad word list because they told him it was a bad word. Dumb <laughs> Dumb might have made it onto the bad word list at some point. But anyway, <laughs> it was funny because he's like, he's looking up. He's like, uh, shut up. I stupid. Mm, holy shrimp 
<laughs> Anyhow, so uh, if, if God moves supernaturally uh, throughout the word, then we have to expect that that's going to happen with us. And it's going to be controversial. Listen, if you function in the supernatural, you're, there's going to be controversy around you. You know when, you know when people are not going to uh, talk bad about you? When they get a, a diagnosed with cancer. Because when they get when they get diagnosed with cancer, they're gonna. That's when you're gonna get a Facebook message, or you're gonna get a phone call, or somebody's gonna because they're gonna know who believed and walked in and trusted in a supernatural God to do supernatural things. Are you hearing me today? They're not going to. They're not going to talk uh, always nice about you. Uh, amen. You know, and, and it don't matter. Well, you know, I was at a church one time where uh, I was preaching in uh, Meeker, Oklahoma. Meeker. Meeker, is that right? Out there toward, uh, yes, thank you. I, so I, was at, I went to Meeker. The, the pastor, he looked kind of like a, a spider monkey. And he's just a, little, he's just a little dude, and he just had like a spider monkey look. Anyway, so I, I don't know why. I just, that's what I, that's what I remember the most. But. Uh, he had he had asked me to come preach. Ted was there that night, and I got up to preach, and I preached a message, and it was it was it was innocent. Uh, I mean, I wasn't trying to be ugly. I just preached a message on you don't know God. That was that was my message. You don't know God. And I said, you know, we like to say that we know God. I said, you know, some of you uh, after this week, you'll say that you know me. I said, but y'all don't know me. Y'all just became acquainted with me this week. There's some things you know about me. I said, but I'm up here. And I said, y'all don't know what color underwear I'm wearing. You don't know me. Not that well. Now, see, y'all don't know me that well. Unless I got a hole in my britches. But y'all don't know me that well. But there is someone here that does know me that. In fact, there's someone who knows what color underwear I'm wearing right now. And they're in this room. <laughs> so there are different levels of, you know, knowing someone. I, I was, that was the point I was trying to get across. Well, you know, the pastor never got beyond the title of my message. He was angry with me that I had said, you know, you don't know God. And he was offended. How dare you, you know, say, we don't know God. I, I, you know, he was, he was all, he has drawers in a bunch. And so once you, once you get there, you, you, you think that if you're walking in the supernatural, that somehow or another, everyone's going to love you because you walk in the supernatural. If you have supernatural, if God does supernatural things through you, well, then everybody's just going to love you and accept you. And they're going to celebrate the ministry that you have and the gift of God that's in your life. And everything's going to come up roses. And the reality is, you know... I, if, if it was true that people wanted to uh, wanted the supernatural and wanted to be around the supernatural, we'd have a packed out church today. I mean, Rachel got healed of back trouble just last, was last week, week before last. I mean, her leg grew out about two inches. In fact, it didn't just grow out two inches. It went ahead and grew out three inches, an inch beyond what it needed to, and then went back. And she received a healing, a supernatural healing, a miracle healing. Amen. Now, you think people be beating down the doors to get in here. I need, I need a miracle. Can I have a miracle? No, man, I, we we're at that church. That pastor uh, was upset with what, what I said, uh, you know, the title of the message. And that night, that night, 
I was, I was, while I was preaching, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge, said, there's someone here that's deaf. If you'll pray for them, I'll restore their hearing. I said, and I said it while I was preaching. I said, there's someone here, you're deaf. And if you'll come, God will heal you of your deafness. And so I kept on preaching. And then I had an altar call and I prayed for several people before we even prayed for the deaf person. A man came with blind eyes. I mean, dude was blind. I laid hands on this guy and God restored his sight. So we're waiting there, and I'm like, you know, the Lord told me there's someone here that was deaf. Finally, you know, uh, I, I said it, and maybe 15 minutes later, someone comes dragging this guy up there. And I was like, what's wrong with him? They said, he's deaf. I said, well, why didn't he come? They said, he's deaf. <laughs> he, he's deaf. <laughs> I remember I put my fingers in his ears. I prayed over him and, and uh, rebuked the deafness and the spirit of God came on him. I'll never, I'll never forget it. When I took my fingers out of his ears, he, he shook, you know, he, he, he shook. I mean, he almost fell over. Ted's standing there just laughing uh, his head off while this guy is shaking and shaking his head. And I began to, I began to whisper. I got behind him. I began to whisper and the Lord opened up his deaf ears. This was on Monday. We were scheduled to be in this revival meeting till Friday. This was on Monday. I, when I handed the service over to the pastor, in spite of the miraculous, in spite of the supernatural, he took the microphone. You know what he said? He said, well, we've had a good meeting with this brother. We're just so glad you came. And uh, God bless y'all. We won't be having meetings for the rest of the week. We're just glad, you know, we had this. And I said, okay. You know, and then after it was over with, he gave me a rebuke. He said, how dare you tell us we don't know God? So the super the supernatural the supernatural doesn't guarantee amen. Go ahead, man. In fact, you know what people will do? People will say, well, he can't be, he can't be functioning in the in the real supernatural. Because if he was, then he'd have never said that we didn't know God. Well, praise the Lord. Go ahead, man. Listen, if you amen. We, we've got we gotta get a little tougher. Any questions? I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get to where. Is this helping anybody yet? Okay. <clears throat> Turn to someone. And say, walk worthy of your calling. So it's not just doing the stuff. It's not just doing the stuff that you think is right, like a uh, living right. And you should live right. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you you don't you don't need the difficulty of of of. You don't need the difficulty. Live right. But walking worthy also means this. Find out what your vocation is. And then join yourself with people of like precious faith. And don't let anything run you off. Don't let anything run you off. Be determined that you're going to plant yourself. Listen, if God's called you to raise the dead, get around. Don't get around people that have never done it. Listen to me. If God called you to raise the dead, don't hang around a bunch of people that need raised from the dead. (laughs) 
Find somebody that raised someone from the dead and hang out with that individual. Because I've got news for you. People that raise the dead don't act like everybody else. I think we talked about, did we talk about David Hogan? When was it? Sunday? Sunday? Or did I talk about David Hogan on Sunday? Yeah. We're talking about Paul Trokel. David Hogan is, he's, they have reported that over 350 people have been raised from the dead under David Hogan's ministry. Wow. Now listen, someone told me, well, it's not really that many. I said, really? I said, why do you say that? They said, well, in Central America, there are different levels of dead I said, well, how many of you reckon he raised from the dead? This is a conversation I'm having with someone over this. I said, how many of you reckon he raised from the dead? They said, well, it's probably more like 100. I said, and how many of you raised from the dead? They said, none. I said, so it's 100 more than you did. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. Amen. I was like, are you serious? You're seriously going to bring into question how many people have been raised from the dead under this man's ministry while you do diddly squat? Are you serious? Do you know why they didn't like David Hogan? He was mean. He was mean. He wasn't kind to people. He wasn't as, he didn't have the character of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was kind. Now, I don't know what Bible they're reading. Because there were a few times that Jesus said some things that I didn't think were very kind. He looked at a woman who wanted to be healed, who was not a Jew, and he said, uh, why should I give the children's bread to the dogs? He called her a dog. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that, Don. <laughs> he fashioned he fashioned a whip and went into the temple and turned tables over and whipped people. He looked he looked at uh, he looked at the the Pharisees and he said he said you're of your father the devil. He's a liar and you're liars. So we, can, we all agree that Jesus at times wasn't as kind as what we would like to, um, amen. Now, I'm not saying we should go around being unkind. But you know, when you're dealing with people that are, when you're dealing with people that are dead, you know, Jesus, he had one, he had one that he went to raise from the dead. And the Bible says that when he went to raise this one from the dead, that there were a bunch of mourners in there that were mourning and crying and wailing away. And Jesus said, uh, the damsel is not dead. She's sleeping. Then the Bible says what? The Bible says they laughed him to scorn. They went from weeping and mourning to laughing at Jesus. You know what the next verse says? Jesus put them out of the room. Jesus kicked them out of the room. There are times that Jesus has to kick people out of the room to do miracles. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. It's, it's still happening today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus had to put some people. You know what? I wouldn't want to be the person that Jesus had to put out of the room before he could do a miracle. Right. That's right. 
I don't, I don't want to get to heaven and have everyone in heaven look at me while I'm walking by and say, that's the one he had to kick out of the room before he could do anything supernatural. That's the one he had to have leave before he could do something. So sometimes when, when we're walking worthy of the vocation that we're called to, there's, there's something abrasive about us. I told you about David Hogan and what he told Paul Trokel. He told you, you're going to get up that mount. Listen, David Hogan would take you out back and whoop you in the name of Jesus. I mean, that's the kind of person he'd be. If you ever, if you ever hear him, he's, he's that way. But you know what? When you've, got to raise, when you've got to go into villages where there are people that are filled with unbelief, there are people that are there, that people that uh, uh, worship demons, people that worship idols, people that are given to evil spirits. You don't listen. You don't go in there and be kind to the devil. <sighs> Amen. So sometimes when you. When you hang around with people that are dead raisers, it'll challenge you. Now, listen, there are people that are mean that don't raise the dead. I'm not talking about those kind of people. I'm not talking about people that are mean and nothing comes from it. I'm talking about people that are bold, people that sometimes can be offensive, but there's something that happens as a result. Glory to God. Something supernatural. Amen. Okay. People that raise the dead will uh, embarrass you. In fact, you know what? Let's. Uh, am I? Am I going too much? Let me. Let me. Uh, is, is this helping anybody at all? Let's just talk about people that win the lost. People that are effective at doing the Great Commission, going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Those people are embarrassing to be around. People that are effective at winning people to Christ, you do not, you will, you will hesitate to go out to lunch with those people. Okay. Go ahead, man. You know why? Because at some point, they're going to look over at someone and say, do you know how much God loves you and he has a good plan for your life? Yeah. Or they'll do like Ted. I only know two kind of waitresses, the kind that are saved and the kind that are about to get saved. What kind are you? Well, you know what? They, they, <laughs> I mean, they either answer they're, they're saved or they're going to get saved. Well, if they answer they're going to get saved, the next thing is pray with me. I've told you all the story when we were in Borger, Texas. Went to the Mexican restaurant. I don't know. Ted, Ted had gotten under the anointing the night before. The Spirit of God had gotten on him during that revival in Borger. In fact, I think it might have been the night after the bluegrass band got up and sang that song that Tammy Faye was singing. But the anointing of God had fallen that night and the spirit of God was working. Ted went into, we went into, Ted and I went into that Mexican restaurant and we sat down, pastors with us. I was, I was very hungry. I was like, I was angry like Michael Salazar is about to be in about an hour. But anyway, I was hangry, you know, I was hungry. And we sat down, waitress came over. First thing Ted said is, I only know two kinds of waitresses, the, time, kinds that's, the kind that's saved and the kind that's about to get saved. Which one are you? And you know, what, you know what I was thinking, man of God that I am? I was thinking, Ted, shut your pie hole. I'm hungry. Leave our waitress alone. 
Let her go to hell. I've, I've... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's essentially what I was doing. That's essentially what because because my belly. I, my belly was more important than her salvation in my mind. You understand what I'm saying? So my, my mind is working. My mind is like, shut up, Ted. And she looks at him and I'm like, and I already, listen, I got, I've already got my menu. And I'm giving Ted a hard look like, and he don't care. She looks at him. She says, well, I guess I'm about to get saved. He goes, pray with me. Okay. Say Jesus. She said, Jesus. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, I bow my head. But I am not in the spirit. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, just because it irritates you doesn't mean it's not the Holy Ghost. Some of us were irritated by people's boldness, by people's willingness to believe for the supernatural, by people's willingness to stand in faith. Listen, there were some of you that kicked against Hilda when she would make the statement to you, you have what you say. And what she was saying was right. And it's what you needed to hear because you were saying stupid stuff. And when she looked you in the face and she said, you have what you say. And you thought, my God, who does she think she is? Every time, if I have to come to this church and hear that one more time. Listen, you ought to hear. You're not going to just hear it one more time. You're going to hear it over and over and over and over again because we have to learn that we have what we say. Every visitor, every bit. Listen, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a, a little. I'm going to give you a little secret. Every person that visits this church before they leave this property will be accosted by Cherie and Don. And listen, if they get by Cherie, they ain't gonna get by Don. Because Don will block them. I've seen them. Yeah. Ha, I've, I've seen them. Come, come here, Ayla. Come here, Ayla. I've seen it. Make like you're trying to make for the door. This, this be done. Hey, I want. do you know the Lord really has some good stuff for you? And he, that's Brother Don. He don't, he don't let nobody get by him. He be stopping them at their car. They have their key in their hand. They're hitting the panic button. <laughs> Their car's honking because they, they feel like they're, they need rescued. And, so, and some of us, listen to me, some of us are like, should they be that way? You know, that's kind of, I think that's kind of disturbing. Some of you forgot what it took to win you. Some of you forgot what it took for God to get a hold of your life. Listen, you, you got to get out of religious mode, church. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. Man, when Ted was playing, praying with that waitress that day, I was so irritated. And I knew I was in the flesh. But, you know, sometimes you can't do nothing. It's like you're in the flesh and you're like, I know I'm in the flesh, but I can't get out of the flesh right now. She prayed that prayer. Tears started streaming down this waitress's eyes.
Just her face. She, tears streaming down her face. I mean, she couldn't even catch her breath. Then Ted, then, then Ted says, Ted, Ted says, <laughs> then he started making that at the Mexican restaurant. During the lunch rush. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that's how he was doing. Not quiet, loud. And I know saying, yeah, does he have to be so loud? <laughs> well, probably not. <laughs> maybe not. I mean, not for you. Go ahead, man. But maybe it ain't for you. That's right. Maybe to walk worthy of his vote. Maybe to walk worthy of the call. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. Wouldn't it be, see, wouldn't it be nice if we could just assume that people were making an effort to walk worthy of the calling that God had placed on their life? That's right. You know, we might not be so offended at people if we just believed that they were trying to be positioning themselves to fulfill God's purpose, God's design. Oh, yeah. Listen, we're not just talking about this here, church. Because some of us will listen to it and be like, amen. But then if you come hang out with us, we're going to challenge you. Like if you say, God's called me to go to Africa. Don't tell me God. If you, if you don't want to go to Africa, don't tell me God told you to go to Africa. Because if you tell me God told you to go to Africa, I'll start making plans on how to get you to Africa. Just ask Pastor Hans. Pastor Hans came to this church. He said, Lord told me to go to Africa. Two weeks later, I was trying to make plans with him how to sell his house. <laughs> I took him to lunch. I said, we get your house on the market. He's like, what? I said, you're going to Africa, right? He said, yeah. I said, well, what are you going to need a house for here if you're going to Africa? I said, were you planning on keeping your house here? Or are you going to sell it and use the money to go to Africa? He said, well, I was planning on selling it. I said, well, here's, here's, here's a, let's, let's, let's develop a strategy. I, I, I kid you not. Ted was there that day, weren't you, Ted? We were in Guthrie. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, what? He said, I haven't even talked to my wife about this yet. I said, I thought you was going to Africa. He said, pastor, you trying to get me to Africa like next week. I said, well, what are you waiting for? If God called you to, if God, come on, y'all. What are you waiting for? Some of you keep talking about what God called. You know when God called me to evangelize, you know what I did? I built a cross, a giant one. Oh, yeah. Yes, you did. I was 16 years old. I went and I got wood and I built a giant cross. And I got a pocket full of chick tracks. And I threw that cross over my shoulder. And I walked up and down the streets of my hometown, preaching the gospel and handing out tracks. I knew good and well my pastor wasn't going to let me preach. He'd already told me I wasn't called. <laughs> you know how many people I made mad because I did ministry without them? Without their blessing? Without them being happy about it? Without their permission? I did it because that's what God told me to do. 
That's what he called me to do. That's what he anointed me to do. That was the vocation that he had called me to. My father, you know, my father thought I was nuts. He thought, he thought I lost my mind. I'll never, I'll never forget it. I was under the greatest attack from the enemy. I'm a teenager. I knew God, I knew God had called me to the ministry. I had quit school to, I quit school without his permission. Out of obedience to God to go and to do ministry. I'm going to give you all a chance to ask some questions if you have any here in a second. When I withdrew from school, my dad took everything. He took the car. I had a, he gave me a car. He took the car. He, he told me I'd have to support myself. He was no longer going to support me. I could live in his house, but everything else I had to take care of. I was like, that's fine. The Lord will supply. He's like, the Lord, nothing. He said, God don't do for people. You know, he... Same, same stuff. You know, he's not, he's not born again, so God helps those who help themselves. It's my dad, you know. You're going to starve. I've, I've seen people like you. Don't be stupid. You're, you're acting crazy. So I'm in my room pr praying. <clears throat> he goes to work. I'm praying. He comes home. I'm praying. Studying the word. <laughs> Preparing for ministry. The enemy's attacking me big time. I go to church one day and the elders, they said, if you need prayer, come. The elders will pray for you. I went up for prayer. The elders came forward. Was, I won't mention the name of the church, Crossroads Cathedral. But anyway, I went and <laughs> I went up there and they went to pray for me. And the guy tells me, you're too young for ministry. You're trying to go into, you're too young to go into the ministry. He says, you don't know nothing. You don't know enough to do ministry. Of course, I'd been carrying a cross and handing out tracts and winning people to Christ at school and, and on the streets. And yeah. I think today we're just we're waiting for an opportunity to get some of you. Some of you are like, man, I, I just want to preach. I, I just want to preach. <sighs> There's a whole big wide world out there. That's right. oh, <laughs> there yeah. is nothing stopping you. You have a voice. Oh, yeah. See? Inez, she's, she's already with an amen. Yeah. Man, I was, I, was I was so frustrated. I went home that night. I told my dad. I said, I'm frustrated. You know, I thought maybe he was right. You know, maybe I am crazy. So I was, giving, I was giving the Lord one more chance to help me out. I, I said, Papa, will you take me to church over here? He didn't want to take me to church because he had seen the grief I was getting at church. Plus, I'd been on a fast. I'd been in my room for two weeks fasting and praying. He's afraid I was going to die because I hadn't eaten nothing. All I would do is drink water. <laughs> I was skinny back then. <laughs> I looked like a dirty Q-tip. You know, I had that... Had that fro. <laughs> I look like Michael Jackson in the early days. <clears throat> My dad, he reluctantly took me to church that night, and I went to get out of the car, and he grabbed my arm. I'll never forget it. He grabbed my arm, and he and I looked at him. He said, 
I'll never forget this. Don't hold this against him. He grabbed me. He said, please, I never, I've never seen anything like it before. He said, please don't go in there. Tears in his eyes. My dad, please don't go in there. He said, mijo, you're going crazy. You've lost your mind. He said, my dad told me if you read the Bible too much, you'll go crazy. He said, that's what's happened to you. He said, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to go in there. I'm tired of seeing you hurt like that. Don't go in there. He said, I love you. First time my dad ever told me he loved me my whole life was on that day. Don't go in. When he said that, it, it was weird. It was like something went off in me. I thought, devil, you overplayed your hand. That ain't nothing but the enemy. Go ahead, man. Trying to... You know what some of y'all would have done? Okay, let's go get some ice cream. Okay. <laughs> Listen, all somebody got to do is have a cookout and you ditch church. Go ahead, man. All somebody, all somebody got to do it. We're having a cookout. Y'all coming? When is it? Sunday? Yeah, we <laughs> brisket. <laughs> I'm making a brisket. <laughs> Next thing you know, Eric's getting the call. Hey, I ain't going to be there. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Maybe that's too close to home. Amen. <laughs> but see, walking worthy, of your, walking worthy of your call. You know how I know some of you don't know what your vocation is? Because you don't, you don't. You're, you're, not, you're not married to it. You're not, willing to, you're not willing to give it up, to give it all up, to do what God called you to do, to, to walk in the grace that God has given you. Some of you are, but you're afraid of the consequences. You, here, I'm going to tell you the consequences. Uh, there are going to be people that persecute you. There are going to be people that uh, try to lie to you and tell you that you've, you've hurt their feelings. Like my dad, listen, my dad didn't know, he didn't know, he wasn't, he wasn't born again. He didn't know nothing but to yield himself over to a wrong spirit. Go ahead, man. And it looked so right that my dad would tell me he loved me on that day. And almost I was persuaded. I remember I almost shut the door back and went home, but something went off in me. And I looked at my dad. I said, no, I'm, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. You know, in that moment, my dad wasn't really with me. Well, this is hard, this is hard for me to say now that I have children. Because when I was the kid and I was looking at my dad, and I knew, I, I knew he, he was trying to do what was best for me, but I had decided to follow Jesus. Two weeks from that day, I, went, I had my first revival, preached my first revival, and have been full-time ministry ever since that time. Oh, yeah. Amen. It's supernatural. It's, it's not natural, church. It's supernatural. Now, listen, before you, before you quit school, Gabriel, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, look at these girls. These girls, look at that, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Before y'all go talking crazy, like, you know, one, one time, it's okay if I tell off on you, Joe. One time, Joe, told, Joe was saying, I'm going to quit the military, go into ministry. I mean, that sounded good, and I knew Joe had good intentions. But there's something in my spirit that was like, Joe, you really need to be sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's more than just, you know, some, sometimes we do stuff because we think we got to prove ourselves to God. You ain't got to prove nothing to God. He just wants you to be about doing his business. Not to prove to him that you love him. Not to prove to him you're devoted to him. Just do it. Just do it. And I knew Joe could do whatever ministry he was going to do, still stick with the military. Oh, yeah. So I told Joe, I said, Joe, you really have to think this out because they hear me say I quit school or they hear someone else say how, you know, how they did. Well, you know, God doesn't talk to everybody just like that. Oh, yeah. Most people that do stuff like that end up in the ditch, which is why probably most of them looked at me, thought I was flakier than the two crust pie. But I, I told Joe, I said, Joe, I said, here, we, we had a talk over at Barnes & Noble one day. I said, Joe, what if, I said, I believe Lord's called you to ministry. I believe God's called you to something. I said, but it'd be, it'd be like this. What if the Lord told you to jump off, you know, what if the Lord told you to fly? Joe, you're going to fly. Joe, I'm going to cause you to fly. You are going to soar like an eagle. You're going to fly. And you're standing on a cliff, and you, you're like, yes, I'm going to fly. And you just take off running and jump off the cliff, and you're, ah, I'm going to fly. Lord said, I'm going to fly. I said, and then halfway down, the Lord says, and I'm going to give you an airplane to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I said, Joe, you're going to fly, but you have to figure out how. You have to, you have to walk worthy of your call. You know, work, work through this thing. See, before I ever quit school, and, I, and I, of course, it went fast for me. I quit school a year after I got born again. And I had already been preaching in the street with a cross on my shoulder at school. I mean, my counselors were calling me in to counsel with people. My counselors were asking me to counsel people at school. You know, I was preaching at lunch, that's what I would do instead of eat, preach. Maybe I need to do that again. <laughs> Thank you, Don. <laughs> Don's supportive. He's like, yeah, amen. <laughs> put it on you. Amen, amen. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to put you out there by yourself. Me and you, brother. Um, any, question, any questions? Anybody have any questions? Boy, now's the time to ask. <laughs> Not everybody's called to go into ministry like the ministry I have, you know. Some of you, God's called you to do your ministry. You know, right now she's in a time where she's, you know, going out and evangelizing on the streets, ministering in the hospitals. Uh, same with Tyler, Ayla. Uh, different ones. You know, Ted, Ted's ministry was very unique. Ted never even preached. He did preach, but he didn't preach by, you know, pointing his finger at people and opening up his Bible and saying that he would come to our meetings. He would come to the meetings. He'd travel with me. He would sit in a chair. You know, some people like, you know, how am I going to learn how to do ministry by coming to a revival meeting, sitting in a chair? 
Well, Ted, he learned how to do his ministry, coming to a revival meeting, sitting right. in those meetings. And that's what he started to, he just started agreeing with the message. And the Lord, uh, the Lord used him in such a way that for years, man, I've had pastors that would call me and ask me to come preach and then ask me if I was bringing Ted. And I was like, well, I don't know if Ted's coming. They're like, if you, if you, don't, if you don't bring Ted, don't come. There's some places Ted affected people more than I did. Not because he got up and preached, because he sat in a pew and shouted amen and caught people at the end of the service and he served the Lord with gladness and he lived again. You know, that was, Ted's, that was Ted's ministry. Now Ted's like, I sure would like to preach. Dude, you've been preaching for, why in the world would you want to do what I'm doing? Go ahead, man. It's like he would, he would say to me, I sure would like to have a new car. I'm like, Ted, you get a new car every six months. He's like, that ain't my car, that's your car. I said, who drives it? I said, who makes the payments? Who, pay who pays for the gas? Who pays for the insurance? I said, and you complaining you don't have a new car? You have a new car every six months and you don't pay a dime for it. And sometimes we don't realize... The blessing of God. So we've got to realize our vocation. Turn to someone and say, realize your vocation. Are y'all seriously don't have not one question? I can't, I can't believe it. Usually at least Carolyn has a question. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, ask the question. Because, you know, there, it's helpful when you, because I know some of you are going to, what happens is I get done and then someone says, Pastor, can I ask you something? I want to say no, but I'm nice. So I'm like... Okay, ask, you know, but um, it's helpful to everybody because some people, you know, they're, they're nervous about asking a question too, and it might, might could help them. We can still do it and, and, you know, live out our lives. And I, I think one of my questions or what I've been trying to really do and have the Holy Spirit help it is, is focusing how to do both dually. And it's only, I think, in here in the last, since we've been teaching on the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit, I'm kind of starting to see. So the question is this. How do you set up goals? Because on your vocation, yes. your call, mm -hmm. and your ministry, that's the question. Well, your, your, the job God's called you to do will definitely have to do with <clears throat> some sort of ministering. So what I, all of us, all of us are called to be ministers of reconciliation. All of us are called to preach the gospel to the lost. All of us are, <laughs> get ready. All of us are called to heal the sick. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you like, oh, I sure would like to minister healing to the sick. Well, guess what the Bible says? Uh, believers will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. So if you're a believer, you, that's a part of the ministry that you carry. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Most pastors or most churches aren't going to give you an opportunity to use that gift in their churches. Because you got too many insecure Immature. 
low self-esteem people in ministry that don't want anyone to outshine them. Go ahead, man. Let me, let me tell you something. There, there's a reason why we, there's a reason why we go to Mercy and Baptist every week. Because I'm looking as a pastor, I'm looking forward to the day when Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 9, Fox 25, somebody has a news broadcast of one of you guys at one of these hospitals with a parade of hospital-gowned people behind you. You leading them out of the hospital, them showing off their backside all over the way. But you leading them out of a healed by the power of God. Listen, I, I want so desperately for you to outshine anything I've ever done in ministering healing to the sick. But you know, I didn't start ministering to the sick people in church. First place I ministered to sick people was at the hospital. I mean, I went, I read Mark chapter 16, verse 15. I jumped on my bicycle because I didn't have a license. Rode my bicycle to the hospital and prayed for a woman in our church who was there for gallbladder surgery. And the Lord healed her in her gallbladder and they released her the next day without having to go through surgery. So that's the very first miracle I ever saw. And I, I had been born again for months. My, when my pastor told me I wasn't called, he came too late. Boy, that's right. He, sh he should have caught me before I went and prayed for that woman. <laughs> he should have caught me. He should have caught me before I could. Because maybe he might have had a chance, hey, look, if he'd have caught me before that woman got healed. But once that woman got healed, it was on like Donkey Kong. So let me, let me in answer to your question. You, too many people trying to, do, trying to figure out how to do pulpit ministry. You have, to, you have to figure out how to do what God created you to do. And then whatever environment that that is. Do you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do ministry with the thought of, I have to make my living doing ministry. I knew one day that would happen. But that wasn't, that wasn't the, I did whatever I had to do to, to, to be what God had called me to be. And... Annie was very supportive, you know, when we got married. I got married young at 19, and she was 20, but... Boy, he get, cra he get crazy. But, but anyway, Annie was very supportive. You know, she, she, she worked a full-time job while I was hit and miss doing ministry. And, you know, she very well could have gotten her nose out of joint and been like, lazy thing, go out and get a job. But, you know, I was really, I was really trying to navigate those waters. And in the natural, and I'll be honest, you know, there, there are some rascals out there. Listen, some of you single women, you do not want to hook up with some rascal that don't want to work. You know, before, before God gave Adam a wife, he gave Adam a job. Amen. It's true. <laughs> That's right. God gave him a job. And so I did. I had, I, I worked, but I wasn't, I wasn't bringing in an income. Annie was the main breadwinner of our house. But that, that was the thing was we both had a revelation. This is what the Lord called me to do. 
She knew it's what God called me to do. We were seeing results, even though I wasn't in the pulpit a lot, and we weren't seeing uh, uh, we weren't seeing the finances come in that we really needed. We had not yet really got a revelation on supernatural increase. So, I mean, I got born again. I went into ministry in 1984. I didn't get my first paycheck from the ministry till 1995. I wrote myself my first paycheck in 1995. Well, Pastor, when did you start? When did you start believing supernatural increase? 1988. <laughs> 1988. Yes, you say, wait a minute. How can you believe supernatural increase when it ain't working? No, it works. See, that's the problem: is you think it ain't working. I knew it was working. Because God, God's word works. My life just hadn't lined up with it yet. Oh, oh that was a nugget right there. But we, we started walking in. I'm, ask, ask him. The first time we saw a BMW drive down, it was Christmas time. That BMW had a uh, wreath on the front. It's a green uh, 7 Series BMW. And I, I, I remember it clicked in me. I, some of you are going to think this is materialistic. Some of you are going to think it's carnal, but it was, it was the Holy Spirit working on me. And I was, I'm, I was getting that revelation of God wanting to bless us. And, and at that time, we were, in a, uh, we were in a beat up Honda. The thing had CV joints. It sounded like a roller coaster when you turn the corner. You know, click, 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 click. Sound like you was going up a hill in a roller coaster. Her, her friends used to call that car the roller coaster. Not only that, but at that time, Annie was working this job. She's already, it was already 1980. Uh, you, she, we, you graduated in 1986. This was in the early, this is already late 80s, early 90s. So 19, she graduated in 1986. She got this job with State of Oklahoma when? 1980, 1989. In 1989, we're in the roller coaster. <laughs> she is wearing her dresses from high school to work. And we're believing God for, we're believing We'll never be broke another day in our lives. Amen. Everything. Listen, our toilet paper telling us we're broke. You understand? <laughs> our, our, to, our, our toilet paper. <laughs> it's like that gas station stuff. You got to wrap it. You know, you got <laughs> Listen, our toilet paper is like, you broke. And we're like, we'll never be broke another day in our You couldn't even blow your nose in that toilet paper. <laughs> couldn't, you couldn't trust it. <laughs> you're, it blow a hole in it, you know. <laughs> that, that was those were the days when the welcome mat said, well. <laughs> we didn't say welcome, it just said, well. <laughs> but we're in that Honda. I'll never forget it. We just drove through, we just had driven through Nichols Hills. And we're in we were just driving into the village. And this BMW rolled up with a wreath on front of him. I said BMW, and, and, and I'm telling you, I know it was God. Y'all are going to think this is crazy. I know it was God. Okay. But it clicked in me. I said, that's it. 
I said, that is my car. And Annie's looking at me like, you're nuts. I said, it's mine. I said, that car has my name on it. And she's like, that car ain't got your name on it. Where's your name on that car? Where's your name, 750? <laughs> I said, BMW. She's like, your name is Santa Cosa Sanchez. You know what I'm saying? BMW. I said, yes, that's my car. She said, I said, it's my initials. She said, then th those aren't your initials. I said, yes, it's the big Mexican's wheels. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then she was like, oh, yeah. I said, it's your car too, baby. She said, ain't got my initials on. I said, yeah, it does. I said, beautiful Mexican woman. <laughs> but you know, we, you, had to, you have to walk by faith and not, listen, walking by faith isn't, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to fake it till I make it. That's, that's a, that's a carnal, you don't fake nothing. You don't fake, no, if you faking it, you're not faithing it. Amen. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You accept the things that God said, and no matter what the circumstances look like, you embrace what God said. So that's what we did. We walked in it. We lived in it. I would tell people. They would laugh. And my sister-in-law my sister -in -law literally laughed me to scorn when I told her when, <laughs> that Honda was so beat up. That Honda was like three different colors. <laughs> it was a hatchback Civic. <laughs> It's parked, it's parked in my, my sister-in-law's driveway. And she said, I like it. You know, and I knew good and well she was just trying to make me feel better. I like your car. When would you get this car? I was like, oh, we got that car to buy here, pay here. Our finances, Ayla, were so jacked up, we had to go get that car. You know what the buy here, pay here is, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are y'all hearing any of this? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to quit. <laughs> Buy here, pay here, Carolyn. Your pastor, listen, y'all's pastor, you cannot look at me and be like, he don't understand. <laughs> right. Mexican. <laughs> 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 Buy here, pay here, Tyler. And it was a beat up old Honda. And that, that girl, she said, she, that, that, my sister law says, it's a nice car. I was like, <laughs> I said, the next one's going to be a BMW. She couldn't even hold her laughter in. <laughs> she laughed me to scorn. But you know, the next one was a BMW. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amen. It wasn't a brand new one. It's 1981. <laughs> and it was, that was in 1991. <laughs> it was a 10-year-old Beamer. But I paid cash for it. Come on. Amen. Glory to God. We start walking in abundance. 
Glory to God. Oh, yeah. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. So you, you, have to, you just have to walk it out. You have, to, you have to see it the way God sees it. And God don't see you going into your vocation. God's already, it's settled. He gave you a job. Do it. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. You say, but it's not making any money for me. Then find something else to make money. And you know what? It, here's the thing. It'll grind at you. Shree's walked out on me, but she'll tell you. She's so, sick of, she's so sick of doing her job because she wants to do the ministry God called her to. And she's looked at me and said, I hate doing this other part. I don't want to do it. I don't even want to build it no more. But right. you know, sometimes God, I'm thinking God may have her build that up to sell it or something. <laughs> She's looking, man, I don't even want to build it. She's like, I don't even want to build it. <laughs> but you know, sometimes that's the process. You say, well, why didn't the Lord do me like he did Brother Ziggy? Because God don't do everybody the same. So you got to walk it out. You got to walk it out. There's a grace that's given. What did the word say in Ephesians? Unto every one of us has been given grace. What? How? According to the measure of the gift of Christ. So it's going to be different for everybody. Amen. You know what? Not everybody's going to come up and put money in your hand like they do me. But then some of you, that's what's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to walk in a room. People are going to be like, I just feel like I'm supposed to give you this. Oh, yeah. Amen. Then you're just going to receive it. Glory to God, I receive it. But then Hilda, you know, Hilda was like, Lord, I'm believing people are going to put money in my hand. Lord said, I'm not trying to do it that way with you. That's what I do with your pastor. I'm trying to do something different with you. That's right. You know what? Hilda had to walk worthy of the grace. She had to walk out how God's going to do it with her. And that's what you have to do. Sheree's walking it out. Carolyn, you walking it out. Gaby, you got to walk it out. Everybody's got to walk it out. Ayla's walking it out. Ayla would love to have glass shoes and a long flowing dress and have thousands of people waiting for as she floats into the auditorium. You know, lift her finger as people fall under the power of God. <laughs> And talk about Holy Spirit, you know. That's what she would love to have happen. And maybe one day. But right now. <laughs> it's not how it's going. Praise the Lord. Any other questions? Uh, I know some people are like, don't ask another question. Then we gotta get out of here. Don't don't anybody ask me. Sheree, I'm surprised you have a question. <clears throat> Did I give you enough information? No. Yeah, I think no. Yeah, no. no. Yeah. No, I was going to say that I think this is different. Okay. Praise the Lord. I have a shameless plug for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> to invite people and bring them. I listened to... Uh, Paul Trokel? Yeah, today. And man, it was on my heart even today to just to encourage everybody to bring people, invite people, come, don't miss it. Listen, you're gonna kick your, you're gonna kick yourself if you guys don't bring yourself and somebody else, because Paul Trokel is we are fortunate to have this brother come. God, he's a gift from God. And that, you know, thinking about what we talked about here, thinking about what we, we talked about about the vocation, the, the gift in that guy is so unique. There is a uniqueness to what God wants to do in each one of us. 
And some of you, you admire that uniqueness in others, but God has it for you. And I'd love for you to come and watch the gift of God work in him and let it encourage your faith for God to do something for you. Because there's something so unique about the hand of God working in his life. And, I, and I'll be honest with y'all. It's, you're, the only way you're going to discover this is supernatural. You're not going to get this reading a book. You're not going to get this listening to me. You, this is going to stir. The whole purpose for these meetings here is to stir. Anybody, did anybody get stirred up today at all? Good. I, mission accomplished. Because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to stir your spirit and get your, get your spirit working on your mind. Not your mind working on you. I'm trying to get your spirit stirred up so your spirit starts working on your mind and your spirit starts bringing stuff to your mind about how you're going to fulfill the purpose of God. That's the only way to do this. There's no other way. You go to Bible school. You can go to all kind of training. The only way that you're ever going to accomplish really the will of God in your life is to let your spirit train your mind and let your spirit lead the way. Your spirit has to be in the wheelhouse. The Holy Ghost has to be leading the way. And uh, you will. You'll, uh, you say, can I have a family and do the will of God? Absolutely. You can have 10 kids and do the will of God. Shelby just looked like she's happy about that. Wait a God. See, like her two are the equivalent of 10. <laughs> so there is hope. <laughs> there is. I mean, God called you, and uh, he'll make a way. So, all right, I'm going to turn you all loose. Father, sure. <laughs> I, just really, I just really felt as you were talking today that I just seen, and even, and even for myself, that when we come, whatever it is, no matter what it is in our life, that we need to come here expecting that we're leaving with it. Today, like, I literally ripped something today in my arm, and it was hurting, like, the whole service, and I, and um, I wasn't even thinking about that, but, you know, even as I went to the restroom, I was like, you're lining up. I'm not leaving. And, it, and, and my pain left. Amen. But I'm just saying, like, I just really believe, like, at one time, we were at that place where we expected anything to happen. And I know in revival, it's always like that. But I really believe that that's, we need to come expecting every single time we walk in this building, whatever, no matter what our family needs, no matter what anybody needs, no matter what it is, that if we'll come and believe God, that he'll do it. You, you won't have the supernatural happen if you don't teach the supernatural, if you don't preach the supernatural, if you don't speak the supernatural, if you don't talk about it, if you don't look for it to happen, it won't, it won't happen. So you have, to change your, you have to change your thoughts, you have to change your words, you have to change your whole way of, of doing things. Uh, if you want to be a dead raiser, you, you got to start. That's all right, they're good. Phoenix, hello. If you want to be a dead raiser, the first step is go sit in the parking lot of a funeral home. Dream about it. I know, I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> I know, right? That's nuts. But think about it. If you're going to raise people from the dead, you first have to touch dead people. First step, lay your hands on somebody dead. If you're not there, sit in the parking lot of the mortuary. 
dream a dream. We've had one person raised from the dead under our ministry. It was a pastor during a revival at a church in Purcell, Oklahoma. 400 people were there. The dude died on the front pew. His wife sitting next to him. She was freaking out. You know, this whole thing of raising the dead, people make it sound uh, kind of romantic. There's nothing romantic. Listen, if you ever raise someone from the dead, you will have to go home, change your bridges after it's all over with. Because it's freaky. When you see a man there dead, a fr my friend, he was dead for 15 minutes, I said, oh, praise the Lord, I received that. Amen. <clears throat> but anyway, 15 minutes, he was dead. Yeah. He, he turned the color of these chairs. Then all of a sudden, after 50, paramedics were, paramedics were listening to him. You know what the paramedics said to me? Dirty rats. They looked at me. They said, when, he, when his heart stopped, when he stopped breathing, they looked at me. They said, preacher, are you going to do what you've been preaching or do you, we need to do what we do? I was like, you dirty rat. That's right. I almost took my hands off and said, clear. <laughs> That's what my mind said. But then the spirit of God came on me. And I said, you ain't dying in my meeting. In the name of Jesus. I didn't say it. I yelled it, screamed it. Annie, you were there. You were sitting right there. Oh, yeah. Fifteen minutes later. He takes a deep breath. This guy, the, he was dead 15 minutes. Right. 15 minutes later. <gasps> right. while, he's, while he's taking the breath in, he's standing up. <gasps> All the color comes back into his face, into his body. And as he exhales, he's just. He's start talking in tongues. He rolls out all this tongues. And, and as he's. As he's, as he's speaking with other tongues, he's, so horrible. He's, he's leaning forward toward me. And after he gets the last words out, he grabs me. He goes, thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then he turns around. He points up above the baptistry in this church. He said, I was right there the whole time. He said, and you were calling and you were, you were praying, he said. And he said, it was like I was being pulled away. But I couldn't leave. I couldn't go because of your prayers. He said, then I heard Jesus speak. And Jesus said, you can't come today. You have to go back. They're not letting you come. <laughs> he said, and in that moment, he was sucked back into his body. He came back to life. The doctor said he couldn't be dead for 15 minutes. His brain would be gone. The paramedics told the doctors. He would, they took him to the emergency after that. He told him, I don't want to go. <laughs> Listen, I was ready to go home and change. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. you, you there's talking about the supernatural, and there's doing the supernatural. If you're going to do the supernatural, you're not, you can't just sit, sit up here and be like, amen. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do something. I, so that guy, I took Gabe for breakfast. Give me one last story. I took Gabe for breakfast, him and his sister. We go into first watch. And <laughs> he, was, he was smaller. He was tight. You know, he was a little guy. And 
he's, <laughs> I notice he's standing, he's standing up looking out the, out the door. He's like, Dad, I think somebody died. I'm like, boy, sit down. He's like, he sits down, and he gets back up, and he's looking. He says, no, I'm pretty sure they're dead. <laughs> Dad, there's someone out there. I'm pretty sure they're dead. I'm like, what are you talking about? I look. There's a woman outside laying on the sidewalk. I was like, oh, my gosh. He's like, see, I told you. She's dead. I'm like, boy, stay here. I went out there. Sure enough, she was dead. She was dead. I went down there. They asked me if I was a doctor. I said, no, but I said, I'm better than that. I'm a preacher. But I laid hands on her while someone performed CPR. And I don't know whether it was the CPR or if it was the prayer, but she came back from the dead. Thank God. But anyway, so that we won't give, we won't say we raised that one from the dead. But dead raising, you're going to have to get out there. You know, after they found out I was a preacher, heard me praying in tongues, they tried to run me off, but I stayed there. I was like a, I was like a duck on a June bug. I wasn't going nowhere. When I came in, Gabe looked at me like I was the conquering hero. He's like, Dad, what'd you do? I said, I laid hands, I prayed. He's like, Hey, he got some grease off his eggs and anointed his own head. He's like, glory to God. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to stir us up and motivate us to uh, pursue you for the uh, breakout of the supernatural in our lives, in this church, man, on our jobs, in our family. <laughs> Lord, let your anointing be made manifested in and through each one, God, in the name of Jesus, so that we can fulfill your purpose, so we could fulfill, Lord, in doing what you designed us to do. Father, I give you glory. I give you praise today. Ha ha. Shedumbrea. Tono morobosi. Cole celebere si fredere borekataya. On tono mongrenea si. Bolo shapona mombrondene matu. Angalan jendaine. Purisike de base de caro. Antuna mandana maseo. Tel fedri exhea. For the Lord says that there will come a time, he said, and the time is even now. That my people, Shalobre Setea, Shulamanton and Masa, one day will be functioning in the natural, and the next day will rise up to function in the full flow of my spirit. Del Bere, for the Lord says, the season has come. God says, the silence, he says, is over. There are many who have tuned their ear to hear who couldn't hear anything said, for the Lord said nothing was being communicated. But he says now, he said, am I speaking and speaking clearly? Those that haven't been able to hear in the past, the Lord says will we'll tune their ear to hear now. And the Lord says, and they'll begin to hear clearly. He says, not vaguely, but clearly, uh, the voice of their father. And in Moshe, and I shall, the Lord says, give you direction and show you the way in which you shall go.
The Lord says, not only shall I show you the way, not only shall I speak my word and declare it over you uh, to give you direction, but the Lord says, I shall cause my anointing to fall upon you and I shall cause the gifts of my spirit to be made manifested among you and in Mosea and Tona Morosa. For the Lord says, uh, that will be how they will know uh, that you are separate and apart that you are my people, that I am your God. The Lord says it shall be that there shall be a supernatural flow. There shall be a supernatural power. There shall be a supernatural abundance. There will be there shall be a river, the Lord says, that flows out of your belly, a river that springs forth into everlasting life. So he says, he says, uh, he says, in this hour am I opening up the floodgates. The Lord says, and I shall fill this house, the Lord says, with my spirit. And in Mosiah, the Lord says, there shall not be room enough to receive, the Lord says, the outpouring that I shall send unto you. The Lord says, all who come near, he says, shall drink of the river and shall drink of the water of the spirit that flows out of this place. For the Lord says, I have, I have called it to be. Yea, the Lord says, I shall cause it to come to pass. He says, now is the time. This is the hour, the Lord says, of a release of the full flow of my spirit unto you. So my sebrea, so the Lord says, once again, tune your ear to hear. The Lord says, expect uh, to receive from me. God says, and you shall be filled. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. So we receive that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many receive that? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. All right, listen, uh, we're back here Sunday. Paul Trokel will be with us. I'm expecting the Lord to do great stuff. Come with expectation, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him prepared. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn him. You got a lively bunch. We're going we're gonna to make a pull. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull a uh, we're gonna pull a Dr. Bally on him, make him stay for an extra service. <laughs> all right, y'all. I love you. Uh, I'll see you all on Sunday.